educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm. Live from Bayside College in Newport, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Remy, and you're listening to Live FM's Gambling Harm podcast out of Bayside College's Paisley campus in Melbourne, Australia. With me are my co-hosts, Caden, Taj, and Lucky. With us today is Fred Rubenstein, a man who has lived through the experience of gambling addiction. Welcome to the show, Fred. Thanks, Remy. It's great to have you with us. And for our first question, having experienced gambling addiction firsthand, how big of a problem is gambling addiction in modern society? That's a loaded question. It's a good way to start. (laughs) It's huge. It's a huge problem. And I think it's also an even bigger problem because it's a complicated problem in the sense that if you see with alcoholics and drug addicts, the effects is much more obvious. You know, you can see them on the street. People are bothered by it. It's there's a lot more awareness around it. Whereas gambling, the uh, the harm is to oneself. It's to one's psychology and yeah. you know their their stress levels. And you can't always see that. Yeah, in fact, you often hidden. can't see that. Yeah. yeah, you can't see what's going on in someone's mind. You know, you might have an idea, but until someone tells you, you don't know. You don't know. So unless unless we have uh, an incredible support system where people feel comfortable to be very open about that and about what's going on in their life and their potential problems with gambling, then that is, it's just not going to improve until we have really, really strong support systems in everywhere, everywhere where there is gambling harm. All right. Uh, name Taj. Nice hey, to meet you. Nice to meet you. And would you be able to recall your first experience with gambling? Ooh, that's a good one. I haven't got that one before. My first experience with gambling, I think I was, yeah, I think I was 14 and I think I won like $100 on a scratchy. That's the one. I won $100 on a scratchy, on a $10 scratchy. And that's the worst thing that you can do is to get an early win. It's the worst thing because especially being that young, you have a very naive sense that, oh, it's always going to be like this. And you know, this is easy. How fun is this? How cool is this? Free money. So, yeah, that was um, that was my first official experience with gambling. But as I spoke to you guys about earlier, it there were I had some many behaviors as a kid looking back that I can see as like a clear pathway to gambling. For example, I was addicted to the arcade as a kid and I would steal coins from the car and the purse and the coin jar to feed my arcade addiction and try and win prizes so that's just a children's form of of gambling isn't it you know you put in a coin and you're trying to win a prize um and then that manifested into gambling later on good question all right yeah it is really a multi-level level problem um Mm. name's loki by the way nice to meet you Uh, what was going through your head when you first developed a gambling problem what was going through my head was a lot of chaotic and delusional thoughts um I had a very big ego, a lot of bravado coming out of school. Um, as I was saying to you guys, I was very disengaged in the classroom, but I was very social. So I loved my friends. I loved recess and lunch. I loved sport. But when it came to classroom, the structure of a classroom, sitting down and concentrating on, you know, what's sometimes dry material, no offense, teachers. Um, <laughs> it was hard. It was not for me. And I found that really challenging. So. When I first developed the problem was when I finished school. 
and I didn't have structure in my life. I didn't know myself. Yeah, I didn't okay. know what I wanted out of life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I tried a university course. And I dropped out. And then from there, with a big inheritance, I started gambling compulsively, constantly, every day, every day, every day. It would either be at dinner, betting on the dogs with a, with a mate or in the casino from like 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the morning. And what was going through my head was I wanted to win. I wanted to win was going through my head. I wanted to be gratified straight away because I didn't know what else I wanted to do with my life. And I knew that I loved sport. I loved winning. You know, I still have a very strong winning mentality and I did from a young age, but it manifested into something really ugly in, into gambling, into gambling in the sense that I lost control. So what was going through my head was I wanted to win. I thought I was the best. I thought I was a genius and I had a lot of access to money. So all those things combined led to a false sense of confidence. Yeah, it just makes it to be a really messy picture. Yeah, it does. It was. Um, I'm Caden, by the way. Uh, nice to meet you, Fred. You too, Caden. Um, after losing your father, would you say that there were specific emotions that formed more of a drive for you to gamble? Hmm. I think so. I think so. Uh, if you asked me at the time, I would have said no, because I didn't know. And it's much easier to reflect, you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Mm, absolutely. But definitely, definitely. It was like losing someone that important and integral in your life as, you know, your dad, your dad is and my dad was to me, you, it's a loss. It's like mm. a hole in your identity, you know, like he was part of forming you and raising you from a young age. So I think definitely trying to win, trying to be seen as a hero with that bravado, definitely a factor of that was trying to connect to my dad and the fact that he was a semi-professional punter, semi-professional mathematician, and he was an excellent mathematician. Mm. And I, I wasn't near his level. You know, I had a little bit of his quick arithmetic. I was very, you know, kind of ADD brain, but mm. I just nowhere near his level. And I, everyone told me as a kid how smart my dad was. You know, he's a brilliant mathematician. And I wanted to be seen like that. I tried to show people I was like that. And definitely that was a part of the reason I gambled yeah. was that I wanted to feel that connection to my dad. And I wanted to prove that I could be a winner like he was not necessarily in gambling, but he was in the mathematical field. I wanted to prove that I could do that in gambling mm. with the maths that I got from him. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I did not have the emotional stability. I didn't have the emotional control. I didn't have the patience. I didn't have the maturity. I didn't have, you know, pretty much all of the things to basically just keep control, to keep control. The key word is control. And I lost control very early. And once you've lost control, that's for me, in my opinion, that's when it's a problem, when you don't have control. Yeah. And I lost control of my gambling. I lost control of my life. I lost control of my choices. So that was a very hard thing. And definitely that was a big factor of what was trying to connect to my dad. Hmm. So how differently do you think it would have been had he not passed away when he did? You know, do you think it would have? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it would have changed a lot. I mean, he wasn't a perfect guy by any means. He had a lot of flaws. Um, he was a very good man, a generous man, a kind man, a smart man, but he wasn't perfect. He was a very strict disciplinarian. Dad, and as I mentioned to you guys earlier, he was very moody. So I was a little bit intimidated by him, whereas my mom is wild and free like I am, you know, very live and let live and 
go with the flow and let them learn on their own. Whereas my dad was, no, 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 strict boundaries. So I think definitely I would have been much more cautious about breaking the rules, stealing. There's no way I would have stole from him. I would have been completely terrified. Yeah. Um, definitely it would have had big impact, but I still think I would have gone through some form of adversity because ultimately the journey I was on was the journey of finding myself. Yeah. The, the path you were going to go. Yeah, down. Exactly. So yeah, that just kind of made it happen a lot. Yeah, exactly. So I think after school, I, not knowing myself, not knowing what I want to do, not having a clear direction in my life, still suffering and not fully comprehending the loss of my dad. I think all of those things contributed to my gambling problem and my gambling harm. And I think maybe it wouldn't have been as bad in gambling. Maybe I would have, maybe I would have been more cautious in some ways, but knowing the person I am and the personality that I have definitely some sort of adversity was coming for me. And I was very wild and I, I still have some wild tendencies, but I have much better self-control. Yeah. It's more under the wraps, you know, and it's not, it's not something you can't stop. Exactly. Exactly. And I got that. I got that self-control through this adversity that I've been through, through first, I had to learn about myself. So I had to get self-awareness. And the way I did that was by going through psychiatry. I went to, um, in 2016, I started seeing a psychiatrist very reluctantly because I still thought I was the big dog and I could win, you know, all the money I'd lost back. And I had still had that big bravado. But I made a deal with my mom that I'd see a psychiatrist and through that process and not an easy process and not a linear process where it just goes zoom up through a very difficult process, I gained self-awareness, I gained self-management, I gained the tools to self-control. So now when I have those highs or lows, I know not to run away with them. I can self-manage. Very lucky you are going to ask something. Um, just, I was just going to go back on what you said before about sort of that strive to find yourself and mm. be essentially go into the shoes of your father. And mm. I find that really interesting. Just the whole fact that you were trying to like strive for greatness and mm. that you saw winning as an avenue to that. Mm. And it, it, I really think that from just what you've said, I, I feel like a strong personality is definitely a large factor. Yeah. And I still have it, man. And I yeah. still, absolutely. I, I still have that strong personality. Mm. I still have a very, huge winning mentality, but through the support with my doctor, he showed me how I can do it in healthier. Yeah. How you real can apply forms. it. Yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. And that's how I see it. Like right now I'm a soccer coach. I'm a teacher's aide. I'm an occupational therapy assistant. I love those jobs. And that's awesome. And part of it, especially not just working with kids, but working with special kids is for me is the challenge of helping someone who is having some challenges and some, some yeah. problems and difficulties that for me is the new form of winning. You That's know what really I mean? really cool. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. Yeah. It's like a, I've transformed, I've transferred from something that didn't work, something that was very unhealthy into something that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You're just applying that whole the personality in a, yeah, in a really positive way. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. That's so cool. Yeah. It's really cool. It's and I, and I love scene. it. And it's a much more lasting feeling guys. You know, you might get that crazy high from one win out of seven, but I tell you what, it is nowhere near worth the six, out of seven, the seven out of eight lows that you feel. And then the shame you feel that you go home and the pain you're in underneath. It's just not worth it. Mm. It's not worth it. I've been there. I've done that. And I don't want to go back to that ever. It is painful. It is hard. And what I'm doing now is also hard, but it's worth it. It's rewarding. Whereas that is not worth it. The outcome is just 
misery and pain and wasted time and wasted development. And now the outcome is building on myself, yeah. building on my career, building relationships with amazing people, amazing kids. Um, being a soccer coach, you know, I get a bit of that, you know, desire to win and my strategical brain, I get to use it in, like you said, in really positive ways. And I love that. And that's what I learned through psychiatry. And like I said to you guys earlier, psychiatry is not the only way. It's yep. a way, you know, because I was struggling with mental health issues of um, having a very difficult time finishing school, not having structure after school, dealing with the loss of my father, some other, you know, things I was predisposed to um, genetically. I was struggling. I was struggling coming out of school trying to find myself. So for me, psychiatry was very appropriate because I needed that high level of support, that high level of professional. And I'm lucky I got it because my guy is top, top. Um, mm. And he just had the patience to support me and, and not let my BS ruin the process, you know, because initially I came in, I was not going to just straight away, I'm going to change, I'm going to fix myself, I'm going to turn my life. No, no, no. I, was, I came in because I had been stealing from my mom and I ran out of money at the end of 2015. So I ran out of my inheritance of $225,000 and then I started stealing from my mom. So I stole about $20,000, $25,000 over six months, probably four or five times, different times, just stealing the money. And the third or fourth time I did it, she said, enough. If you do this again, I will call the police and I will press charges for theft. Mm. And like I said earlier, she's a soft, wild, free spirit. And I, I thought I could get away with it. And I had until that moment. Yep. I, pu I pushed it too far mm. and that was my rock bottom. That moment that she called me and she said, if you do this again, I will call the police and I'll press charges for theft. I felt everything that I was doing. Everything that I was doing, I felt it. And that was not the last day I gambled, guys, but it was the day, the moment I decided to change my life, mm. to change my choices, to, to turn my life around. I knew I had to change because otherwise something bad was going to happen. And like I said earlier, it's very easy to gamble through the the chips in the casino through your screen through the computer and just lose big amounts of money and not and distance yourself from it yeah and distance yourself from it yeah. it's not physical you can't exactly. see what you're losing exactly it's not like the old days where you have a big bag of money and you're pulling it out and giving it to the track and thinking you know that's enough no no, no. you can just like that you can pretend it's yeah. not as valuable as it yeah, is exactly yeah. exactly it's like split second it's instantaneous and when you don't have control imagine how hard that is to yeah to rein in, it's almost impossible. So imagine someone, imagine kids right now in that situation that I was in being vulnerable. Let's take, for example, let's take a kid, maybe a 16 year old with ADD and he naturally has issues with impulse control. And then for some reason he has some access to money or there's an easy way for him to get money. And he has like a gambling app or a pokies app where it's, you know, bing, 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 lighting up his brain, lighting up his endorphins. And imagine how difficult it is for that kid mm. to have, mm. you know, the control to walk. It's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. It's almost impossible. So that's why we need the education. We need the supports in place. We need honesty and we need to break stigma. So that kid knows that he's not alone, that it's okay to struggle and to feel that struggle and that there are better ways to achieve the things he wants to achieve. Just like I have, yep. I wanted to win and that manifested into gambling. And I still want to win. And that's manifested into being an educator, into being a soccer coach, into giving back to society. So I think it's very important that we get that early intervention and education like I'm trying to do right now.
And I think it's really cool how open-minded you guys are. Very sharp questions. Who's next? Sorry, I've been babbling on for a while. No, it's really good. This <laughs> yeah. is fun. This is good information. Your journey is just giving me goosebumps. Thank you. Mm. This yeah. is awesome. Pleasure. Yeah. It's very. So gambling obviously affected you personally very negatively, but how would your addiction have affected the people around you? Oh, geez, Rowan, everywhere I go, these quote, kids are unbelievable with these questions. They're so good. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. I mean, so the close family was very concerned, very frustrated because they knew that I was lying because whilst I also developed, uh, whilst I developed a compulsive gambling addiction, that also, I was a compulsive liar. Mm-hmm. So I'd lie what I was doing. I'd lie about my winning and losing. You know, I'd lie about mm-hmm. the numbers. I'd lie about so many things. Um, so they were very frustrated because, you know, eventually you get found out. Yeah. And they were very frustrated because then they could see that I was depressed. I was sleeping all day and I was, you know, not at home all night and I was doing some shifty things. And, you know, because I was at the casino so often, people started seeing me there. Mm. You know, and telling them. So there are only so many lies that you can get away with. Before yeah. somebody finds out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the truth is the most powerful thing. And telling the truth is never a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't fully move on and accept the gambling loss until I told my doctor, until I told my godmother how much money I'd lost and what I'd actually done. And before I could do that, I had to be honest with myself, guys. Mm. I had to be honest with myself. As I was speaking about earlier with gambler's logic, you know, not only do you think you can win it back, sometimes you can even convince yourself that you haven't done what you've done or that it's going to change and it's going to, everything's going to turn around in your favor. Your luck's going to turn and it's not real. You know, it's very easy to try and distance yourself from it as we spoke about through the mechanisms of, technology and chips in the casino. Yeah. But telling the truth and knowing the truth in a moment like that is very hard actually. It's very hard. And I only I only could really look into myself with the support of my doctor, my psychiatrist. And, you know, through a long journey, he showed me the mirror. He showed me the mirror and he showed me, you know, who I was, who I am. And he helped me to understand why I'd done the things I'd done and also that there are better ways to achieve the things I wanted to achieve as, as I was speaking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a slog, guys. It's a slog. You know, it's, it's easy when someone's speaking like this to go, wow, you know, what a turnaround. That's miraculous. Yeah, when you don't you know, know the whole, you know, the, the scale. The year of yeah, progress. It, fully. The details, the details. Mm, yeah. you know, this is just right now, this is just the outcome of the grind that I've been through the last few years. It's yeah. a grind, guys. It's a grind, but it's worth it. It's so worth oh, it. Totally. It's so worth Absolutely. it. Because the feeling that I get of love and help, being helpful and being valued is a feeling that lasts. Is a feeling that lasts. Whereas the feeling of a win from gambling can, is very easily gone. Yeah. As soon as the loss comes or, you know, as soon as reality kicks in. So as I was mentioning... With the gambler's logic, it's very hard to see things clearly. Yeah. It's very hard to see things clearly. And I was very afflicted by that logic. And that's why I couldn't walk away when I, even when I'd lost the inheritance. That's why I started stealing because I thought, I felt I needed to win it back. I wasn't ready to walk away. And it took a bit of time, but eventually through the help um, and support of my mom and my friends and my psychiatrist, I was eventually able to walk away. 
in 2017. I'm now five years and two months sober, which I'm very proud of. And I, my intention is to never go back. All right. Yeah. Um, to anyone who's just joining in, my name is Remy, and this is the Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. We're at Bayside College's Paisley campus, and I'm joined by my hosts, Loki, Taj, and Caden. Uh, we're currently interviewing Fred Rubenstein. He's a very cool man who is taught, <laughs> t- teaching us a lot about going through gambling addiction and how to get out of gambling addiction. Um, and one of the most important questions that I've kind of I've been thinking about is, you know, how did this addiction, how did it affect your relationship with your mother? Mm. You know, you've brought it up. Mm. Um, yeah. What was the like the extent of yeah, how did it, damage, yeah, I guess. Affect her. That's such an important question. And, and, and I'll even go further on his question about how it affects the relationships. It, you lose the trust. That's the first thing. You lose the trust. You lose the respect. Okay. Yep. And once you've lost those things, it's like they don't know what to believe, you know? And you also cause a lot of angst and disappointment in them and frustration because for one, you're out of control. You're making reckless decisions. You are harming yourself and you're not accepting or open to what's actually, or you can't see what's actually happening. So to further your question, both of your questions, it damaged it a lot at the time. We were so close as kids and we are so close now. But at the time, she was very frustrated with me. She was very angsty and aggressive. And for her as well, there was feelings of, it was very hard for her because she was a, a, a widowed mother. You know, she didn't have the support of my father and her natural tendencies was like mine to be wild and free spirited. So that was also hard. I was looking to her like, you know, piss off. You're telling me to be disciplined and you're the most undisciplined person. You know what I mean? Mm, so it yeah. was very hard. Absolutely. It caused a real friction between us, a real tension. It was very difficult. It was very strained. Our relationship was very strained. Mm. She lost her trust and respect for me. Um, as a follow-on for that. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, apologies for interrupting. No, but, no, absolutely. Um, as a follow-on for that, um, has your uh, has your relationship with your mother, um, have you gained back any, like, the amount of trust you used to have? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Because you gain, how do you gain trust back, guys? Well, you show that you can be trusted. Exactly. You know, evidence, you know, you prove That's that to her. Exactly right. So over the last five years of being gamble-free and not stealing from her and, you know, being self-sufficient and having a job and, you know, having a purpose in my life. Yeah. I've gained the trust and the respect back from her and the relationship has gone through the roof. We still have our challenges, but nothing, nothing like what it was before. It's over little things, you know, normal mother and some things now like doing the dishes and laundry and stuff like that. But it's, it's another scale, uh, the gambling harm and the, mm. what, it, what it does to not just my relationship with her, but my relationship with my friends, because, people see that you're harming yourself and they are worried about you and they're concerned. But when you're lying, you're you're creating a false image of reality for them. And the ones that don't believe it, even the ones that can see through the the BS, they still don't know. They still don't know because they're not with you all the time. So they don't know the damage, the extent of it, of the psychological damage, of the financial damage, of the emotional damage. And how how are they going to find out? I have to tell them. I had to tell them. And before I could do that, I had to tell myself, you know, I had to look in the mirror and go, okay, I've lost this much money, you know? And even before that, I had to be ready to change. I had to accept that I, I couldn't gamble anymore. Yeah. And that was a really hard thing guys. But going back to both of your questions, when my mother put that pressure on me 
after the third or fourth time I stole from her and said, if you do this again, I'll call the police for theft. I felt the necessity to change. That was my rock bottom. The self-preservation kicked in. And that was the moment I decided to turn my life around. Mm. Mad respect for all that honesty. (laughs) That is incredible. Absolutely. And it is the, sorry. Um, it is also um, good that you noticed that um, that was your rock bottom because it it makes sense because a normally happy-go-lucky parent suddenly mm-hmm. turning yeah. like just what is basically the polar opposite of a personality is that would be very very serious and mm. you'd actually see through what you've done at least somewhat yeah definitely mm. well because if you were far enough in you might not have seen that you know you might have kept going even further and that's mm. the scary part is that there are people who do yeah absolutely yeah mm. absolutely as i said to you guys earlier not everyone's as lucky as i am i'm so lucky that i had a mother that was willing to spend the money and the time to drag me not not you know pay for me drag me to the psychiatrist's office to sit with me for the first you know year or so in the session to support me in that way. Not everyone has those resources. Not everyone has such an in- incredible mother like I do. Not everyone has the circumstances that they can get out of their situation, their problems, and their yeah their relationship with gambling like I could. And yeah, I, I have respect for myself that I could do that, but I also have empathy for others that can't. Um, and I think we need to keep breaking the stigma that the shame around having not being able to control yourself as a gambler because, and this is where it gets really complicated guys, because I'm not anti-gambling. I'm anti-gambling harm. I'm anti-gambling the damage of, you know, the psychological and emotional long-term damage that it can do. So you can have a group of mates and I've been this guy where, you know, you're social punters, you know, your mates and you socially gamble on the horses or on the footy, five or 10 bucks. And, you know, nine out of 10 of them, 10 out of 12 of them can be fine. They can, you know, make their bet, lose a hundred, win a hundred, walk away. And they just see it as social entertainment. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. But there could be one guy in that group who's like me, the obsessive type with low impulse control and, you know, not a lot else going on in his life and just very addictive personality. And he might be suffering and they might not recognize that. And they might not recognize that guy. And how's that guy going to feel when he's looking at his nine mates who are fine and, you know, they're going about their life and it's not affecting their life. How's that guy going to feel? He's going to feel ashamed, isn't he? Yeah. He's going to want to open up about it. Nah, because it's like, oh, they're all fine. So it's like, I should be fine. You know, I'm fine. Yeah, let's pretend to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So until, you know, until someone, until that guy knows it's okay not to be okay, until he knows that it's, he's not the only one suffering in those circumstances and that there is support available, then he, he won't even consider, you know, being open. Like I said, you've got to be open with yourself yeah. and then open with others. It's the only way because telling the truth as hard as it can be is never, ever, ever a mistake. Never a mistake. So I just want to keep, you know, sharing my story. Hopefully it makes a difference. Yeah, that's what you're doing here today. This yeah, is, exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah, no, it, you, you know, to help. You know, even if it just helps a couple of people, exactly. anyone it helps. Yeah, exactly. You, you being here is so good for this whole entire campaign of you know mm. reducing gambling addiction and mm. problems. It's just 
I'm so glad that we have this opportunity. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful that I could turn what was really ugly in my life into something that's really, you know, now is really positive through yep. a lot of years of hard work. Yep. Um, and I can give back in the same way that I was given when I was suffering. Yep. And now I can give back and maybe help someone else who's, who's suffering. And if, yeah, like you said, if that's one, two or three, you know, people connect with my story or some of the information I've shared and they go, Ooh, you know, I, I really see that I can, yeah. I can find my way out yeah. like through this. Path. Or I know someone who's acting like this. Exactly. Exactly. And they can look and go, mm, you know, maybe there's more going on here. Maybe let's, you know, ask some questions. Maybe, maybe let's get someone outside of the family because that's also a really important point. And yeah. I don't speak about that every time, but it's very important because I had not just a gambling problem because I had mental health issues and I was very depressed and anxious. I needed, it was bigger than a familial problem. My mom alone could not have solved it. She couldn't have yeah. solved it. I needed yeah. the support of a doctor. I, that's what I needed. Not everybody needs that. And there's more than one way to recover, but that's what I needed. So sometimes, you know, it's so hard because your parents love you and your family loves you and they want to help you. But sometimes the best way they can help you is to support you to see someone else who can yeah, help you. Yeah. You know, a professional who's objective, whose job it is to support you through that situation. So there's no way without the intervention of a doctor in my circumstances that I would have changed. There was no way. Do you think that if you had have gotten that help later on, if you had progressed further down that path, mm. would it have still worked and would you still be in this position or would you have been in this position later? The longer you go, the harder it is to turn back. So I think I would have turned back, but I would have done more damage. Okay, yeah. And it would have been harder to walk away because yep. I would have had you know, more debts to repay than just twenty twenty five thousand dollars to my mother. You know, it would have been more substantial. It might have been, you know, a bikey in the city or something, mm. you know, really scary or because it would have just kept escalating. Yeah. You know? But like I said, because I hit that rock bottom from my mom saying seriously that if you keep going, you do this again. I'm calling the police Fred. Like that's it. It's over. Yeah. You know, there's no kumbaya anymore. It's, you know, you do this again and you're getting charged for theft. And I was, a, I was a thief and a liar and I didn't want to hear that. And I didn't want to feel that, but I was. And feeling that responsibility and that sadness and fear for myself, that's what motivated me to change. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think first of all, yeah, just the honesty. Do you, do you reckon that's the, the first thing that you need to sort of accept and promote the honesty in yourself 100% okay 100% that's a quick, that's perfectly said you have before you can be open with others you have to be open with yourself yeah like i said with gambling logic it's very easy to lie delude you know trick yourself into believing yep. a fallacy a lie you know a fantasy whereas when i actually sat down and was honest about it with my doc with my godmother then i was able to start being open with others yeah yeah. Um, to anyone just joining us, this is the Live FM Gambling Harm Podcast. We're in Bayside College's Paisley campus with my host. My name is Remy, and I've got my co-hosts, Caden, Taj, and Loki with me. Here we've got Fred Rubenstein, real cool guy, having a great talk about a lot of great the issues, a lot of the issues with mental health and gam from you know gambling and mm. addiction. Mm. Um, I believe Taj has a next question for you. Uh, yeah, I'd like to ask uh your opinions on the modern like interpretation of gambling and advertisements mm. i have to be very careful here because i'm an agent of reskin so 
I and Respin is a subsidiary of the government, and I have to be careful because I am, you know, uh, I have, I have an ethical responsibility to the government, but I also have an ethical responsibility about yeah. being honest and spreading gambling harm. So it's a bit of a conflict. But I'll speak to just the agencies and the advertisement. My feelings is it's it's gross. It's really gross and it's very misleading. So you guys would have seen some sports bet ads, yeah? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah. So Too many. Well, can you tell me what do you think the ad is trying to paint? I think it just to, I think it's trying to promote a so, the social aspect mm. of gambling and definitely the winning aspect. Mm. Just the, oh, yeah, I'm hanging with my mates. We're just going to, you know, no problem. We're just going to bet a little bit and win a little bit. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. It ignores the, you know, the negative aspect. It, it, <laughs> 100%. There's no connotation in any of those of, you know, what happens to that person who does over fixate on it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Uh, the way, that's how I see it as well. It's very bright and there's a lot of laughter and a lot of mm. banter and a lot of jokes and it's very social and it's very easy breezy, but that's not, the reality for a lot of people, mm. a lot of people like me, that was not the reality. The reality was very bad. The reality was very hard. And, you know, it's not a joke. Like mm. it might be a joke and, and a laugh for some people, but not for everyone, not for everyone. And it's creating a false perception of what gambling is, what gambling can be. Because like I said, it's, you know, it's one thing to be a social gambler and it's a completely different thing to have lost control of your gambling and to have that, erode your life and just deteriorate your lifestyle and your work and your relationships. It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the ad is just showing that one pretty picture and that side of it. And that's not the reality for everyone. That's not the reality for addicts. It's not even close. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, we're getting pretty close to finishing up, but I think uh, Caden had one more uh, thing he yes. wants to say before. We- um, Fred, uh, do you think that, if you had accepted the gravity of the situation sooner and gotten help sooner and gotten help from your friends, um, Cindy, do you think you would have had maybe a easier time coming out of your addiction? I think in my circumstances, probably not because I had such a strong personality and such an ego. I wasn't going to stop until I felt that I had to stop until I could accept that I wasn't going to be a winner in that space and that I couldn't win because the system was rigged against me. So until I accepted that for myself and felt that and went through that process and hit that rock bottom of my mom calling the police and uh, threatening to call the police, I should say, and charging me for theft. Um, I don't think it might've got me there a little bit earlier, but you know, they tried, they still try. And what do you think I did when they asked me? You just said, no, I did. I can win. I, you mm-hmm. just believe the camera's logic. Exactly. Yeah, I lied and I, and, I, and I was just using the logic that was leading me to gamble and that was causing me a lot of harm. So to answer your question, I think in some cases definitely can. If a mate asks you and go, look, I can see you're really harming yourself or I, I'm really concerned about you, you know, and they keep at it, definitely can help. Definitely. Yep. But in my circumstances, I needed, um, I needed to feel that for myself. And I didn't until I didn't until my mom threatened to call the police. And the, th- the truth is, guys, I hated being a gambling thief and a liar, but I was so caught up in it. I was so caught up in the highs and the lows and the roller coaster 
and I couldn't feel what I was doing underneath it, that I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like being that guy. I didn't like being seen as that guy. And yeah. it wasn't until I felt that my mom putting that pressure on me and then enough time to change. Yeah. And again, Absolutely. it wasn't just from there linear. No, no, no. It was hard and it was a grind and it was up and down, up and down, but ultimately very worthwhile. Very worthwhile. I'm very happy being here today, talking with you guys, having this amazing conversation, mm. giving back and, you know, being who I am, having self-awareness. It's, it's so important and it's so powerful, but it's not always easy guys. You know, mm. not all the information you get is good. Mm. Do you want to, no. it's hard to know that you're depressed or that you're anxious and not that you can't do anything about it, but you can't always just, you know, change it. Mm. You can work through it, but it's still hard guys, but it's worth it. It's worth it. You know? And it's for me, self-awareness and getting self-awareness is everything. Mm. And in the case of addiction, I believe that, well, I, I, this is what I personally think. I don't know if it's what you feel, but I feel if you, you, when you overcome addiction mm. in general, you replace those highs mm. with genuine, real emotion, mm -hmm. such as love or definitely in other cases, definitely just happiness. So initially for mm. me, it was the gym. I became a gym junkie. That was the first thing. And That's awesome. yeah, it was, it wasn't sustainable because I was going so fast yeah, and so yeah. hard, but like I did with the gambling, but it was a good start. Yeah. You know, it was a good transition. And then from that, it went to work. And then from that, it, you know, and now it's just been building my career, building yeah. uh, my skill set with the children and discovering how much passion and love I have for being an, an educator and a soccer coach. And I love those things. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, That's definitely. awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Um, before we finish up, do you have any final words for, you know, for anyone who may need to hear them? Yeah, I think, thanks. That's, a, that's also an important thing because I like to finish by just reminding that People in the situation that I was with addiction or, you know, compulsive gamblers who have lost control and it's affecting their life. They're not just gambling with money. They're gambling with their relationships. They're gambling with their mental health. They're gambling with, yeah, okay, they're gambling with money, but it's many layers. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than yeah. just money. That it's a multi-layered problem. Yeah. I like that. So they're, they're gambling with their lives, guys. Mm. They're gambling yeah. with their livelihoods. This yep. is a very serious problem, guys. This is very serious. What you're doing is no joke. This is really good what you're doing. I encourage you to keep at it and keep going because the more education, the more awareness, the more pressure there is in society around these issues and around the need for support and change and early intervention, the better it is and the less harm we'll have, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. simple, but Absolutely. that's very hard. So let's keep at it. Mm. Good yep. job, guys. That was awesome. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in to the Gambling Harm podcast here on Live FM. Uh, you've been listening to me, Remy, and Taj, Loki, and Kanan. Very special thanks to our guest, Fred Rubenstein, for using his experiences to help those suffering from a gambling addiction. And please, if you or anyone you know is in need of help, uh, feel free to call either the Gambler's Helpline at 1-800-858-858 or the Gambler's Health Youth Line which is 1-800-262-376. I'll say that at the end. The Gambler's Helpline is 1-800-858-858. And the Gambler's Health Youth Line is 1-800-262-376. Feel free to call those. Thank you, and please look after yourselves. Thank Thanks, you so guys. much. Thanks. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you. So you. Educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm, live from Bayside College in Newport, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to the Our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. <laughs>